welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every week, decisions are made across Maine that affect the future of our environments. Lawmakers in Augusta propose or debate new bills. Mainers speak up on proposals made by corporations or state agencies. Clean energy projects are launched, or communities take action to address threats to clean air or water or open spaces that they cherish. Since 1959, NRCM has been on the front lines, tracking these developments and tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law. NRCM does this to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. So every two weeks, we'll sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories you need to know about and what lies ahead. Thank you for listening as we share our view from the front lines. As we tape this podcast, we're just a few days away from election day. So once again, we wanted to talk about question one, uh, which would stop the transmission corridor CMP wants to build across Western Maine forestlands. Now, this has been the most expensive ballot measure campaign in Maine history. CMP and Hydro-Quebec, they've spent more than 70 million over the past two years. And on what's, it's always been a desperate political campaign, but it's increasingly desperate. Um, full of scare tactics and misinformation. Um, so with me once again is NRCM's Advocacy Director, Pete Didesheim. Welcome, Pete. Hello, Colin. Of course, I'm the Advocacy Communications Director, Colin Durant, and we're going to have a chance later in the program to discuss a few other issues, but we wanted to dive right into the debate over question one in the CMP corridor. Sounds like a good plan. Let's do it. All right. So, we, we, of course, have been following this campaign closely. We're urging pe- Maine people to vote yes on one to stop the CMP corridor. Now, our last podcast fo- focused on a lot of the substantive reasons why we think people should vote against this project. Um, our CEO, Lisa Pullman, just had an op-ed in the Portland Press-Herald um, today, October 28th, uh, that also describes why we're urging people to vote yes on one. Uh, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so. So, in this episode, we wanted to do something that's a little bit different and directly address some of the confusion some people might be feeling. And, and you know, again, that's stemming from CMP's scare task tactics. But first of, first of all, Pete, I wanted to just quickly get your take on something we've been hearing a lot from CMP, the supporters of the CMP corridor, and that, that people should not base their decision on question one about what on whether they like or dislike CMP as, as a company. So if you, they, they, they're trying to get people to di- divorce their dislike and there's an enormous dislike for CMP with their feelings for the project in question one. Can you, can you give us your perspective on that? Sure, glad to. Yeah, I've also seen that message coming out recently in letters to the editor and op-eds asking people to not let their anger at CMP affect their position on question one. But I have to, Disagree, disagree strongly. In fact, I believe the exact opposite. Question one is a referendum on CMP. Voting yes on question one is an excellent way for people to channel their anger and frustration with CMP. And here's why. Because the way they have behaved in Maine over the last seven years, particularly the last two years, developing and promoting this project demonstrates that they cannot and should not be trusted as a company. And I'm not talking about the fact that CMP has the worst record of any utility in the country and has for the last three years in a row, according to J.D. Power, that's a separate matter. I'm focusing just on the transmission corridor 
CMP has used brute force, bullying, misinformation, and an obscene amount of campaign spending in their efforts to force this project through Maine against the will of Maine people. So yes, I do think this is a referendum on CMP. Their campaign has broken norms and raised serious questions about whether they can be trusted and whether they care about the interests of Maine people or mostly about their shareholders. So in addition to the substantive reasons to oppose the CMP corridor, which we've discussed in a previous podcast, voting yes on question one is an entirely appropriate way to send a message to CMP, a message rejecting their tactics and behavior in this campaign. They need to be held accountable for the type of campaign that they have run. Yeah, here, here. And so let's let's just dig right into that. Let's move right into some of those areas where CMP has pursued really questionable tactics um, that we think our listeners should keep in mind and Mainers should keep in mind as they go to the polls. So here's what we're going to do. It's Halloween season. Halloween is coming up. Our household is extremely excited for it. And I know actually Halloween is also a really fun time at NRCM. There's a great tradition of of dressing up. So we got excited about Halloween here. And so what we thought we'd do is come up with a uh, list of the top 10 dirty tricks and scare tactics used by CMP that we want to shine a spotlight on. So we're just going to, Pete and I are going to jump back and forth through the list. And uh, Pete, we're going to start with you and with number one. Okay. Number one, CMP's efforts to defeat an independent climate study. So this is one of CMP's most egregious and revealing dirty tricks. The company keeps claiming that the project would benefit the climate but this claim has been seriously disputed for years. And in 2019, the Maine legislature was on track to pass a bill requiring an independent study that was gonna look at Hydro-Quebec's entire energy system to determine if the CMP corridor would provide any new climate benefits. Really important study that needed to be done. More than hundred people provided testimony in support of the bill. It passed out a committee by a bipartisan vote of 10 to three. It passed the Senate by a huge margin, 30 to four. And then CMP worked its lobbyists. They hired 10 lobbyists. There was others also involved. I think there was more than 20 lobbyists in total working to defeat this study bill in the House. And they won. If the project was such a so such good uh, for the environment and for the climate, then CMP should have embraced this study to prove that they were right. But clearly, they couldn't stand the idea of an independent analysis that might have revealed that CMP and Hydro-Quebec were lying. So they exerted maximum pressure at the state house to stomp on the bill. We would have had the results of that study two years ago. Un- unreal, unreal. You, and and <laughs> yeah, and one of the most, I just, I just, it was amazing to me that when we were looking at all those lobbyists they were hiring, they like were hiring lobbyists to, to just focus on that they knew would focus on one specific vote or oh, legislator. Totally. They were just oh, like, yeah. Just like with this campaign, throw money at it. All right, let's go to number two. That is blocking discussion of climate issues during the environmental permitting, during the regulatory process. So along the same lines that um, that uh, that Pete was just talking about, CMP blocked NRCM, the Appalachian Mountain Club, Trout Unlimited from even talking about climate emissions during the environmental permitting process for this project. So of course, we tried when the permit came up before the Department of, Department of Environmental Protection. But CMP's lawyer said that discussing climate in, uh, issues was inappropriate because, quote, 
Nowhere has CMP stated that the project's purpose and need includes greenhouse gas emission reductions. End yeah, quote. Like no way. Talk about a dirty trick. Come on. So CMP has been broadcasting the world that the project is a climate project. Yet their attorney during this regulatory review confirmed that the purpose and the need of the project has nothing to do with greenhouse gas reductions. And unfortunately, in that they prevailed. And so again, scrutiny about whether the project actually provides any benefit to the climate was blocked. Okay, back to you, Pete, for number three. Okay, number three. CMP hired private investigators to harass petition signatures. This one is particularly egregious. In 2020, we learned that when Maine citizens were pursuing their constitutional right to gather signatures for a ballot measure, CMP hired a private investigator to tail petition signers. CMP spent more than $100,000 on a private detective firm called Merrill's Investigations to stalk Mainers who were gathering signatures. Jeffrey Merrill, the principal of that company, watched people entering and leaving field offices, took photos of petition gatherers, monitored Facebook pages, dug up personal information, including where one of the workers lived, uh, found out her automobile registration information, her occupation, called employers to gather information. Unbelievable. We've never seen this before. CMP also, based on our review of the of their spending reports has spent more than $130,000 on a California-based opposition research firm called VR Research to dig into the personal lives of opponents like me, you, NRCM, AMC, Trata Limited, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if they have files on us and every major opponent of this project. From my perspective, I've never seen this in my 25 years working in Maine. This really was a new low that we just haven't seen before. Yeah, that's gross. Um, I feel like everything's particularly egregious, but that is really that in, in the dynamics of a man stalking, like literally stalking women was just not okay. And, and totally unacceptable. Okay. Number four, protecting a loophole for foreign meddling in Maine's elections. So this one uh, really bothers me and, and so many others, especially legislators and others, because it strikes Um, at the integrity of our elections. And so in late 2019, Hydro-Quebec registered as a ballot measure committee with the Maine Ethics Commission, so it could spend money to influence Maine voters. So lawmakers were rightfully concerned about this because Hydro-Quebec is wholly owned by the government of Quebec. And that means the government of Quebec was going to spend money on an influence campaign right here in Maine, trying to tell people how to vote on a project that would provide more than 12 billion in profits to the government and citizens in Quebec. Um, So who helped defeat this bill that would have closed the loophole? CMP. And with the help of one of Maine's highest paid lobbyists, CMP fought to protect this loophole in Maine ethics law that allowed Hydro-Quebec and any foreign government owned corporation to meddle in Maine's elections. So as a result, Hydro-Quebec is just allowed to spend whatever it wants, uh, now up to 24 million so far to influence how Mainers will vote on question one. This is a foreign government owned corporation um, directly involved in a a campaign. Uh, And this amount of spending alone is more than twice the amount that's ever been spent by a ballot measure campaign in in Maine. Uh, And so CMP, of course, played a key role in keeping this spigot of foreign money flowing into the into um, into the campaign here in Maine. Pete, number five. 
Okay, number five, and we've talked about this a little bit before, um, the securing of an illegal lease behind closed doors. So this dirty trick should offend everyone who cares about public lands in the state of Maine. In 2014, behind closed doors, the Maine Bureau of Parks and Lands and CMP negotiated an illegal lease to allow the CMP corridor to cross public lands. It was illegal because the Maine Constitution clearly requires a two-thirds vote by the legislature if there's going to be any substantial change of use in public lands. And that was put on into the Constitution by a vote of, of Maine people in 1993, uh, with 72% uh, supporting that amendment. So clearly a high impact transmission line would be a major change of use. And we were pleased to see the Maine Superior Court this past summer vacated that lease, creating a hole in the CMP corridor's path. And it's not clear that CMP has a viable alternative route that wouldn't violate existing conservation easements on other land. We have never seen a company treat Maine's public lands and our Northwoods with such disdain, really. When you listen to them, they're constantly diminishing the value of Maine's Northwoods and the corridor that this would cut through. And in this case, disregarding legal requirements before damaging public lands. Yeah. All right. Now, so the last five in our top 10 list covers CMP scare tactics specifically. And we're going to start with that boogeyman that everyone's heard about retroactivity. This has opened up a lot of questions for people. So number six is CMP launching this cynical campaign of lies about the word retroactivity. Now, I'm sure most of our listeners have seen the orange yard signs, received those mailers, like dozens of them at this point, watch TV or digital ads warning us about question one, giving lawmakers new power to enact laws that have retroactive power and effects. CMP even created a brand new separate political action committee called Mainers for Fair Laws that has spent an astounding 13 million just to spread this totally false claim and these lies. Um, it's been debunked by every media outlet out there. The Portland Press Herald debunked the issue, this issue of retroactivity, reporting it as quote unquote deceptive and quote unquote a scare tactic that's entirely designed to um, confuse voters. They also editorialize strongly against these scare tactics um, that CMP is using around retroactivity. Now, the fact is, here's the truth, the, that Maine lawmakers have long had this authority to enact laws with retroactive provisions. More than 160 such laws have passed since 2001. Portland, for example, wouldn't have had its working waterfront if it wasn't for retroactivity. And Ben Dudley, who is one of the people on CMP's team um, that's warning us about retroactivity, voted for at least 11 of those laws that had retroactive provisions when he was a lawmaker. Um, so it really tells us something that CMP feels like the only way they can win on this question, on question one, is by spending $13 million to launch this really cynical campaign full of lies and scare tactics to confuse voters, um, rather than talking about the project merits. They basically abandoned that at this point. Pete, on to you. All right. So uh, continuing with the scare tactics, number seven, uh, claiming that question one would affect gun rights. So this one is just downright comical, but also pretty disturbing. In a mailer that was sent last week to voters across the state, CMP claimed that question one would allow lawmakers to take away people's guns. The mailing actually tries to scare Maine sportsmen and women that if question one passes, they will no longer be able to, quote, 
defend their homes or put meat in their freezers. Unbelievable. <laughs> Question one is not about gun rights. It is only about CMP's transmission corridor. Talk about a desperate scare tactic. Unbelievable. Oh, oh, oh wait, there's more, Pete. Here we okay. go. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight. Uh, they also claim that question one is going to threaten your health care. So in another one of their mailers that landed in recent days, CMP says that question one, quote unquote, puts important laws in danger like the Affordable Care Act. Again, this is tied to the whole lie about retroactivity. CMP is really hitting a new low in behavior uh, for a major corporation operating in our state acting like this, just spreading lies. Um, and misinformation every step of the way. Pete. And I've got, yep, I got another one. All so right. <laughs> they're also claiming that question one is going to eliminate funding for electric electric cars, electric vehicles. So this message arrived on my Instagram feed the other morning, and presumably it's being targeted to progressive environmental-leaning voters. Again, trying to scare anyone who might be interested in buying an electric vehicle that if question one passes, then we might as well kiss our electric vehicle future goodbye. This is just total bunk. CMP and Hydro-Quebec have agreed to provide some funding for electric vehicle rebates and charging stations as part of the stipulation agreement that they came up with at another juncture when they were afraid that the project was going to go down. But it's a fairly inconsequential amount compared to other federal funding and the investments being made by car manufacturers that's where the real momentum is in bringing electric vehicles forward. So at the federal level example, for example, this bipartisan infrastructure bill uh, is gonna provide 7.5 billion for a national network of EV charging stations. A whole bunch more money's coming from the Build Back Better plan. So this is just a straight out scare tactic. The mm -hmm. same CMP pack pushing this EV electric vehicle scare tactic also has a website claiming that question one will take away clean air to breathe. That's a quote. Question yeah. one will take away clean air to breathe. Oh my okay. God, suddenly we're not gonna I be know. able to breathe. <laughs> I know, right. I know. And and you we're sort of- We're all gonna die to, if question one passes. <laughs> you, you sort of alluded to this, but that's coming from the third pack that they've created to right. fight this campaign. I mean, that's right. just like astounding. Yep. Uh, this sort of ecosystem that they've created. All right, so finally, number 10, and this is a big one. Um, CMP loves to raise big worries about big oil and the fossil fuel industry without admitting their own ties to the fossil fuel industry and admitting that they're complicit with big oil. So I'm sure you've seen all the advertising aimed at demonizing big oil, fossil fuels as the one who opposed the CMP corridor. That's ignoring the 80,000 main citizens who signed a petition to bring the measure to the ballot, ignoring the 25 main towns along the route that have voted to rescind their support or oppose the project, ignoring most of the environmental groups in Maine, ignoring the Penobscot Nation, ignoring First Nations in Canada that are all opposed to this project. Um, I also find this particularly galling because of so of, of of how hard CMP has worked to delay and obstruct progress here on clean energy. This I'm feeling this individually right now because most recently they've done this with community solar projects. And you know I was I signed up early when community with us for a subscription early uh, when community solar first started coming online. I just got a notice um, from the company I subscribed with that the earliest that the 
solar farm might be online is the end of 2022 because of CMP's delays. Yeah, right. God, it's happening. It's happening statewide. Yeah. And it's yeah. just outrageous. And so, but, but, you know, by far the most egregious part of this line from CMP that they're this like climate hero is they're not admitting that their parent company, Avant Grin, owns massive fossil fuel infrastructure. They own six natural gas distribution companies throughout the Northeast, operating 25,000 miles of natural gas distribution lines, pipelines, serving million natural gas customers. Now, so of course, Avant Grid, like a lot of energy companies, makes huge profits on fossil fuels. And they've spent 9 million directly here in Maine to the defeat question one. So talk about greenwashing. Their campaign yeah. is funded by fossil fuels as well. Pete. Yeah. So there you have it. Those are the top 10 scare tactics that uh, that CMP has mm. used and other dirty tricks. Um, so in a, in a nutshell, CMP claims that question one will take away our clean air, our gun rights, our health care, our electric vehicles, and all this by giving lawmakers powers that they already have and are not new already. And they have an illegal lease. CMP has an illegal lease. They've protected a dangerous loophole in our election laws. They've blocked efforts to understand where the project would deliver climate benefits. All of this is just intended to scare people about question one. And they've focused a lot on big oil and yet their parent company is a big oil company. Wow, that seems like one awfully desperate campaign, I gotta say. Very desperate. And so we hope you've enjoyed our top 10 list of spooky CMP dirty tricks and scare tactics. Of course, you, uh, we really encourage you to join us in sending CMP a message by voting yes on question one on election day. Uh, this type of campaign behavior is just not welcome, doesn't have any place in Maine. Um, Pete, like we do every episode, let's just switch gears real quick and look at some of the other action um, that we expect in the weeks ahead. Sure. So, of course, we're focused on the congressional action that is uh, dealing with the Build Back Better plan and the bipartisan infrastructure bill. It looks like we're getting close to enactment of those two bills with recent announcements from the White House and, and Capitol Hill. There's still details being worked out, but these spending bills would provide hugely important uh, funding for Maine across a broad range of areas that will affect and benefit clean energy development, reductions in climate pollution, real reductions in climate pollution, uh, improving our roads and bridges, traditional infrastructure, creating jobs, investing in Maine people. Um, and if it goes through as we think it's gonna go through, um, there's gonna be more than 500 billion in investments in climate measures the biggest climate bill ever uh, enacted in the in the US uh, Congress. Huge. Um, and the timing is really important because we're also watching the International Climate Conference that begins next week in Glasgow, Scotland. The president's on his way there uh, this afternoon. Um, and we're really excited that Anya Wright uh, from Bar Harbor will be attending the conference. Anya works for Sierra Club. She is a member of the Maine Climate Council. And she was a recipient of one of NRCM's 2020 Brookie Awards for Young Environmental Leaders. And so we hope that she'll uh, send us a blog post or other communications that we can also share with, with our members. And here in Maine, lawmakers have begun the process of deciding which new bills to accept for next year's legislative session. So even though it, you know, it, we're just about at November, um, 
Uh, that means that the legislative session that begins in January is starting to come into view and we're already starting to think about what our priorities will be. Also, we recently asked a federal judge to halt the operations of four dams in the Kennebec River that threaten the survival of endangered Atlantic salmon. We've asked for an immediate court action to prevent those dams from killing fish as they migrate downstream this fall. And the owner of the dams, Brookfield, a big um, monster corporation in, in Canada, has a couple of weeks to respond um, to our motion, but we are looking for action to protect Atlantic salmon from these obsolete dams. So those are the, some of the things we're, we're looking at. A lot more going on, of course, all the time. Nice, and you mentioned the Brookie Awards. I just wanna give a shout out to the Brookie Awards program. Nominations and applications are now being accepted for our next round of Brookie Awards. Uh, that's this award program that NRCM Rising and NRCM launched uh, focused on elevating the voices in the work of the rising generation of environmental leaders in Maine. So if you know a wonderful young environmental leader in Maine, you should go to brookieawards.org to check out uh, information on the awards and to either nominate someone or apply for one yourself if you're a young person in Maine. So Pete, thanks again, as always, for breaking down the news pleasure. with us. This one was a particularly fun one. Um, uh, there's always so much going on. It's hard to touch on all of it, but we try our best. And I do want to let people know we've got some exciting things in store for 2022 here on the podcast. So stay tuned. Uh, and all, as always, thanks again to everyone for listening and for supporting NRCM's work. Happy Halloween. Thanks, Colin. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast listening apps. To learn more about NRCM, please visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment. Until next time, thanks for your interest, attention, and involvement in the collective efforts by Maine people to protect the unique woods, waters, and wildlife of our state. Thanks again.